If we've not met before, my name's Pete. Together my wife, B, we lead the church here. So great to, to meet you. And um, this, is, this is Vision Sunday. So we call this All In Sunday. This is the moment where we invite people into what the Lord is stirring in our church family across the four different congregations. And um, this is more than just articulating vision. In other words, where we're heading as a church. Our All In Sundays are more often than not an invitation to name the season that we're in and invite people into that season. I think a huge part of leadership is just naming what the Spirit's doing and inviting the church family into it. So rather than just standing back and spectating what the Spirit's doing, we're inviting our church family to be all in. So that's what um, All In Sunday is about. And I guess I want to say that if the last All In Sunday, which was in the autumn term, can anyone remember this booklet? At least two people, that's really encouraging. Um, that's when we cast vision for what we sensed the Lord was doing in the autumn. And the title was Hope on the Horizon. We encouraged people to lift up your eyes, this. That was terrible. That was terrible. And that was caught on the live stream. Shame on you um, that no one backed me up. But we were basically saying hope is on the horizon. And I guess what we're saying today is, is what we saw on the horizon feels like it's very much coming into view. What was on the horizon back in the autumn term, it feels like it's here right now and we need to welcome this new season in. Um, we believe that there's a season shift, that winter is turning into spring. So today I'm going to be quoting from a number of very random passages in the Old Testament and we're going to get going with Song of Songs. And this passage is a story of God pursuing His people, the nation of Israel, whilst they're in a wilderness season, finding them in the moment of vulnerability and then leading them from the wilderness into the abundance of life outside of the wilderness. And this is what God speaks. This is Song of Songs, chapter 2. My beloved spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit, the blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one, come with me. This is what we were saying back in the autumn. We, we think a new season is coming. There's hope on the horizon. And I guess I want to say today, I believe the seasons are changing right now. Um, winter is turning to spring. Um, you could say that the wilderness is marked out by no wine. The spring is marked out by abundance of new wine. So I'm entitling this talk, New Wine to New Wineskins. Now, let me frame this with a beautiful overview of the narrative of Scripture that moves from creation to decreation to recreation. Creation is the story of abundance. Think the Garden of Eden, this Garden of Abundance. But then humanity's rebellion against God, they step outside of the place of abundance into the wilderness, the place of scarcity. And really the rest of the story from Genesis 12 onwards is the story of God pursuing humanity and leading humanity back to what they were created for, which is abundance. And the story ends... Revelation 21, Revelation 22, with God and humanity being reconciled, heaven and earth being reconciled, fullness of life, which is the very thing we were created for. Now, let me just dwell on decreation then. I'm going to quote a number of random Old Testament passages again, using this metaphor of no wine, which is the wilderness sort of mindset through to abundance. So this is Joel chapter 1. 
The fields are ruined, says the prophet, talking about the state of desolation that Israel found themselves in. The fields are ruined. The ground is dried up. The grain is destroyed. The new wine is dried up. The olive oil fails. Despair, you farmers. Wail, you vine growers. Grieve for the wheat and the barley because the harvest of the field is destroyed. Listen to the verbs there. Despair, grieve. Like these are the days that many of us have been walking through. COVID, COVID recovery, cost of living crisis. Despair surrounds us. People are still grieving. The vine is dried up. The fig tree is withered. The pomegranate, the palm and the apple tree. All of the trees of the field are dried up. Surely the people's joy is withered away. A summary would be no wine, no joy. Can I hear an amen? There we go. Um, don't worry, it gets worse. Isaiah chapter 5. A 10-acre vineyard will produce only a bath of wine. A home of seed will yield only an ether of grain. Like some of you will be able to relate to this maybe over the last few years where you feel like you've been working unbelievably hard. Like you've been putting heart and soul into certain things, but the, the return just feels like there's nothing. I, I'm doing the hard yards, but there isn't much fruitfulness. There feels like there's zero return. That's what the wilderness feels like. That's what decreation can feel like. Don't worry, it gets worse. Jeremiah chapter 8. I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There'll be no grapes on the vine. There will be no figs on the tree and their leaves will wither. What I have given them will be taken from them. And again, these are prophetic images of what the wilderness can feel like. But let's do the work of translation of what we've journeyed through over the last few years, where many of us feel emotionally, spiritually, mentally spent exhausted, maybe discouraged, maybe despair has set in. Some of us are still grieving what we've lost. Like there's a fragility to this moment. Now, the challenge of the season of the wilderness of the winter months is to remain faithful in adversity. Like there's something beautiful about when things are really challenging. Can we remain faithful even when there isn't fruitfulness all around us. And I think we've seen as a church that we have been learning to remain faithful in adversity. And there's a beauty to that. People radiate God's glory when they remain faithful in adversity. But let's be really honest, on the darker days of the winter months, what it actually feels like is surviving scarcity. Right, we're trying to be faithful in adversity, but on our darker days, it feels like we're surviving scarcity. And some of us have probably developed this mindset of like, get your head down, just get through today, end of today, tick. Next day, head down, get through. This next week, head down, get through. This next month, head down, get through. And it becomes a survival mindset. We can take on that mindset in the, the wilderness moments in the winter months. But let's talk about recreation, the journey towards restoration and new life. The, the blue um, lines, that isn't pattern, by the way, our discipleship tool. I'm not going to say that pattern will lead you towards recreation, although it might help. Those are the waters of the Red Sea. And I could see some of you could see that. Yeah, brilliant. The waters parting of the Red Sea. That's exactly what that is about. Um, 
Think of the Exodus narrative, okay? Because the Exodus narrative is the story, the macro story of Scripture in miniature, right? The Exodus story itself points to the macro story of Scripture, uh, the story that moves from creation to decreation towards recreation. So think of the story of the Exodus. Where does the story start? Before they go into Egypt, they're in the land of Canaan, right? Which is the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of abundance. Now, if you know the musical Joseph, and I hope you do, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcut, I'm not going to sing any of it to you, but hopefully you know the story. What drives them towards Egypt? It is a famine, tough crowd. It's a famine. A famine drives the people into Egypt. They eventually become enslaved in Egypt. And then you have this Red Sea moment, this moment of deliverance where the waters are parted to reveal dry land. Now, the thing about Exodus and the way the writer tells the story, when they talk about this moment of deliverance, they're trying to articulate what's really going on, that they're moving from scarcity towards abundance. And the language they choose to use is the language lifted from Genesis 1 and 2. The story of creation, like the opening chapter of our story. And in that opening chapter, you have this language of God parting the waters to reveal dry land. And when the writer of the Exodus narrative is talking about this moment of deliverance, he's like, how do I articulate it? I'm going to articulate it with the words of the creation story itself. That as they stand at the Red Sea, terrified, the Egyptian army bearing down on them, they have this moment where God parts the water to reveal dry land. In other words, this is a story of restoration, like back to the Garden of Eden, this imagery of abundance. God is taking us through the waters. He's gonna lead us through the wilderness, a cloud by day and a fire by night, back to the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, the land of abundance. This is a journey from scarcity famine towards abundance. Recreation is the journey of restoration to how things were meant to be. How are they meant to be? We were made for abundance. So when we talk about renewal, when we talk about the church being revitalised, when we talk about revival, um, we're talking about abundance. Now I know because I've chatted to a number of you that, that the language of revival can be triggering for some, Right? Because when people think of revival, they often think of like hyped up spirituality. And I want to say that isn't revival. We don't hype the spirit up, the spirit comes down. When some people hear of revival, they're like, is this the moment where the, the crazy, slightly unhinged people take the reins of leadership of the church and everything becomes unbelievably intense all of the time? Sandy Miller, who used to be the vicar of HDB, said intensity is not a fruit of the Spirit, joy is. Intensity is not a fruit of the Spirit, joy is. So revival isn't a moment when the church becomes unbelievably intense, like led by really crazy people. It isn't hyped up spirituality. Revival is what happens when dead things start living when the wilderness is transformed to the place of abundance, where scarcity is replaced by fruitfulness, that's revival. And this land needs revival and the church in the West and the church in the UK needs revival. The church is dying in the West. Like the numbers are terrifying, massive decline. 
Like the church has been experiencing wilderness years and that's why we need an outpouring of the Spirit to take the place of scarcity and transform it into a place of abundance. That's what we're going after, right? Not hyped up spirituality, not unbelievable intensity all of the time. We're talking about life breaking in and the church being filled. So when we cast a vision of recreation, like revival, restoration for the purposes of abundance, let's use the metaphor of wine again. And we're going to use this metaphor, not just because I love wine, but because the Scripture uses this as a constant metaphor. So back to some random passages from the Old Testament. Um, Joel chapter 3. In that day... This is when the kingdom of God begins to break out. The mountains will drip new wine. Can I hear an amen? The mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk. Less exciting, prefer the new wine. But anyway, all the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valleys. Amos chapter nine. The days are coming, declares the Lord. This is the the days of the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. When the reaper will be overtaken by the ploughman and the planter by the one treading grapes. In other words, in this season of abundance, this season of fruitfulness, people will be sowing and reaping simultaneously. There will be such abundance that people are sowing the fields, reaping the fields simultaneously. New wine will drip from the mountains and flow from all the hills. And I'll bring my people Israel back from exile. They'll rebuild the ruined cities So many cities have been devastated by COVID, right? There will be a rebuilding of ruined cities. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens. Think imagery of abundance, imagery of the Garden of Eden. They will plant gardens and eat their fruit. Like this is the prophet saying to the nation of Israel, you might be experiencing scarcity, but a season shift is about to break in upon you and abundance will break out all around you. The challenge of moments of recreation, moments of revival, is that the church has to learn how to steward abundance. Now it is challenging being faithful in adversity, surviving scarcity. That's a challenge, right? But I want to say it is a challenge when you learn how to steward abundance. When there is new life breaking out all around, it's like, oh my gosh, how are we going to cope? We're in a moment as a church of learning to steward abundance and it is a challenge. This is a graph of our Sunday attendance. Now, I'm taking you back to spring 21. So COVID hit London hard. It hit London churches hard. A lot of people left the city. And even when people slowly began to return, it took time for people to regain confidence to gather again in larger numbers. So our numbers went right down below the 200 mark. But as you can see from spring 21 through to spring 23, we've grown from under 200 to now Sunday by Sunday being around the 800 mark. That, that is incredible growth. It's the kind of growth we weren't fully anticipating, but we're trying to steward that well. And everywhere we look, there seems to be abundance. Like Sunday metrics are one thing, but if you look at hub communities and you look at the children and youth work and how many coming to Alpha and how many are part of the ministries downstairs throughout the week, our ministries of of mercy and justice, everywhere you look, it feels like new wine is beginning 
water drip from the mountains, right? Again, this isn't patting ourselves on the back. This is basically saying, God, you're beginning to pour out new wine and we want to be attentive to what you're doing because we want to say yes and jump on board what you're doing. So we are shifting seasons. That's the point. The season is shifting, like we're moving from winter to spring. And that transition is marked out by spring rains. The spring rains come and soften the ground, ready for the new life that's coming. And new wine is being poured out. And if we are moving then from surviving scarcity to stewarding abundance, how do we say yes? Like God isn't going to take his free will that he's given us from us, right? You can say no to the new life of what's happening all around and to the work of the Spirit. God dignifies you with free will. So you get to say yes to stepping into what he's doing. So how do we say our yes? Three things, I'm Trinitarian through and through. So there's always three things, but can I name three ways where we can say our yes? Number one is to be present to this moment. To be present to this moment in every way. Again, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically present. Be in the room. If spring rains are falling, if the Spirit of God is is moving in in a new way, my encouragement is be in the room and be attentive to what the Lord is doing. Be open-hearted and be soft-hearted, right? If this is a season where like new life is breaking out, you want your heart to be ready for the seed, right? So Jesus tells a story of the kingdom of God breaking out and he says, a farmer went out to sow seed and he's sowing it recklessly. And some of it lands on soil where there's thorns and thistles and the plant gets choked. And some of it lands on soil where there isn't any depth and the plant really can't take root. And some of the seed lands on soil that's hard ground and the birds come and eat the seed. And then 25% of the seed lands on fertile soil and there's an abundance with the harvest. Now let me just speak into the hard soil moment because I don't want any seed to be snatched, right? We've walked through challenging months and years. For many of us, we've taken significant hits in the COVID years, in the COVID recovery months and the cost of living crisis. We've experienced disappointment. Some of us are still grieving. Some of us have trauma trapped in our bodies. And as a survival mechanism, some of us have emotionally shut down. We've hardened our hearts and that is normal to do. When, when pain kicks in, if the pain is too intense, as a protective mechanism, we begin to numb ourselves a little bit. Now that as a short-term strategy is fine, but when the short-term strategy becomes the long-term strategy, it's disastrous for your spiritual well-being. Now, if you did that, because I know I did in part, if, if you went through this hardening process as a coping mechanism, you don't need to beat yourself up. But in the moment where the spring rains are falling, you do need to come out of hibernation. You do need to come out of hiding. And I don't want to put any pressure on you. This is a work of the Spirit. If, if you're hard-hearted right now, a little bit of cynicism or numbness has crept in, do not beat yourself up. Do not condemn yourself, right? It's... God's responsibility to soften your heart and He will do it. This is a prophecy from Ezekiel 36. The prophet says that God will put a new spirit within you, right? He'll put His spirit within you and He will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. That's a pretty good exchange. That's what God wants to do in this moment when the spring rains are falling. How do you participate in that journey? You come out of hibernation. 
You come out of hiding and say, God, if the spring rains are falling, I want in, I say yes, right? God dignifies you with free will. Are you gonna say yes to coming out of hibernation, allowing the spring rains to soften your heart? Because if you do, that softening effect will create fertile soil for the seed to take root and for there to be an abundance. I don't want anyone at KXC to miss out on abundance in this season, which is why I'm trying to encourage our whole family to be attentive to this moment. The writer of the book of Hebrews, he says this on three separate occasions. He's quoting from the Psalms. And he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, right? If you repeat something three times, either you've got a horrible memory or you're trying to emphasise something to make a point. I'm choosing it's the latter, right? That the writer of the Hebrews is saying, this is a moment where God is speaking and this is a moment where the Spirit is moving. So do not harden your heart. A hard heart will miss out on the abundance that God has for us. So allow the spring rains to fall, to soften your heart, the soil of your heart, so that you're ready for abundance. So be present. Secondly, be all in. This is a great time to invest yourself, not just at KXE, but in the story of what God is doing in this city and doing in this land. Do not be a bystander. Don't watch and applaud from a distance. The river of life is flowing. Jump in. This is a moment for an all-in spirituality. And at KXE, we've got four practices that sort of like mark out for us what an all-in spirituality looks like. So our four practices together, come. Seven out of 10. It was definitely better than the singing earlier. Wasn't quite what I was hoping for. So come, belong, serve, give. Come on a Sunday. Like stats in London suggest that a lot of people come to church one in every three, one in every four Sundays. If the spring rains are falling, right, my encouragement is is just be in the room. Like be wherever the Spirit of God is being poured out. Seek first, be in the room. Hub community, be in the room. The spring rains are falling. Be open-hearted, become soft-hearted, be present. So come, belong. This is a time to be known. It's one thing to come on a Sunday and be part of a crowd, but to go in someone's living room and have a meal and open up the Scriptures and open your heart up and be prayed for, that's a whole nother level of intimacy. Like it's easy to come to church and to consume what's on offer. We're inviting people to more than consumer spirituality. We say, be known, like belong to the community. So come, belong, Um, serve, find a place to serve. Like whether that be Sunday by Sunday on one of the many teams or midweek through the incredible ministries that operate from this space and elsewhere in King's Cross. Find a place to serve because that's where your faith will come alive. So come, belong, serve and give financially. We're inviting people to become generous givers in this season because we're entering a season of abundance and this is a brilliant time to invest. If this is a moment, to borrow the language from the prophet again, whether the ploughman will overtake the reaper. In other words, there'll be such fruitfulness that as soon as you start sowing, you start reaping, right? That means this is a really good time to invest yourselves. Not just your financial resources, but your time, your energy, your gifts, your wisdom. This is a time of fruitfulness to invest what you have. This is another graph, I know some of you love graphs, um, of, again, Sunday attendance growth. This goes up to January 23, so slightly out of date. So the green line is Sunday growth attendance. The blue line is the growth in giving. And you'll notice there's a gap between the two. 
We've been in a season of accelerated growth as a church family. Now think about that. We've moved from two Sunday services to three Sunday services to four Sunday services across two different venues. We've had to create more space at hubs, which means training up more hub leaders. Certain ministries have massively grown, which means we've had to grow the staff to oversee these ministries. All of this costs more money. The bigger the church grows, the more it needs resourcing and the more it costs, which means we need to invite our church into generous, regular giving to resource what the Lord is doing in and through our community. You can see right now in terms of these two trajectories, if we keep growing and the growth curve shows no sign of slowing down, if we keep growing and the giving keeps on the same trajectory, we're going to hit a moment where like this isn't working anymore. We can't actually resource the abundance that's breaking out all around us. So part of my task and part of the task of our pastors is to invite the church into regular practices of giving. Jesus said, I don't know if we fully believe him, but he he did say this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. So if you want to be all in, if you want to give your heart to what is happening right now, which is a movement of the Spirit, Jesus said, if you want your heart to be there, can I give you a bit of advice? I'm paraphrasing now. Um, Throw your cash in the river. Like if you want your heart to be in the river, I'm pushing the metaphor too far, I know. But if you want your heart to be in the river, throw some cash into the river. Because Jesus said, your heart follows your money. Your heart follows your treasure. We're inviting the family of KXE into a practice of regular giving. Not just because we want to resource all that the Lord is doing. We want people's hearts to be in this moment, this new season of spring rain falling, of new wine beginning to flow. Here's a stat that's potentially a little bit concerning. So we had 287 people um, join a newcomer's meal in the last year. This is a moment where B and I say hi, we have dinner up here um, in the upper room. We have a meal and then we cast vision. Now of the 287, a good number stick around, but a number, listen to me, cast the vision, and they're like, no thanks, um, and they, they leave. A good, good number, listen to me talk about her heart for the church. They're like, yeah, she's amazing. I'd love to be part of the church that she's bringing pastoral oversight to. So they stick around. Okay, so a good number stick, some leave. Now of the people that stick, quite a number get involved in hubs and quite a number find a place to serve in the community. But of the 287 that came to a newcomer's meal, 33 started giving, right? So that's 11% of those that came to a meal to join KXC, only 11% translated into actually financial giving towards the church. Now again, I'm not stressed. I've actually got a lot of faith when it comes to the Lord providing for our church family. Um, So I believe that the Lord will provide. I know how he's going to do it. It's you guys, by the way. Sorry about that. Um, He's going to use you, but it does require me to say to the church family, particularly if you're new and haven't developed a practice of regular giving, we can't carry on being the church that God is calling us to be if we can't grow to the maturity level where we resource what the Lord is doing in and through the church family. So we need to invite the church towards practices of regular giving. He will do it, but I need to invite the church towards that. So be present, be all in, come belong, serve, give. This is an amazing time to invest. And and thirdly, be ready. Joshua 3, consecrate yourselves today. Tomorrow I'm going to do extraordinary things amongst you. Like those extraordinary days, they're at hand. 
they're here right now. Some extraordinary things are happening. Um, some of us still need to do that work of consecration. Get yourself ready. How do you get yourself ready? Well, I've mentioned come out of hibernation. Like allow the spring rains to come and soften your heart. Part of that will be confession, repentance. The primary message of Jesus in the Gospels is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the new life is here. New wine is flowing. I don't want anyone to miss out. So turn around, turn towards me. Turn away from things you have been worshipping. Turn away from sources where you found identity, meaning, worth. You need to turn back to me. So some of us, there's, there's a work of repentance to do to get ready. But part of consecration looks like this. It's basically saying, God, everything I have, I hold right now really lightly. New wine is being poured out, right? So if the new wine requires new wineskins, if anything I'm clinging to right now is an old wineskin that isn't fit for purpose in this new season, could you make that known? I'm, I'm talking relationships. I'm talking career. I'm talking pretty much everything in your life. It's Lord, I'm gonna keep doing this, but if any of these are old wineskins, could you make that known? Because I don't wanna be clinging to an old wineskin when new wine is being poured out. Jesus said, if you try and put the new wine into old wineskins, both the wine and the wineskin will be destroyed. The new wine needs new wineskins. So Lord, new wine's been poured out. Like, what do I need to do to adjust, to be ready for what you're doing? And can I, name a few things as a church where I, I see we're going to need some new wineskins. Um, listen to these words, Isaiah 54. This might frame what I'm about to say. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out, think big. Use plenty of rope. Drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. If you feel pretty pushed in right now, it's all right. We're going we're gonna to create some more space. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. You're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. This is a prophecy to Israel as to the abundance that lies ahead. But there's something for us in this. This is a season of new wine. We need to get ready to, to create space at the table. If revivals are primarily about prodigals coming home and people coming to faith in Christ for the first time. Look at the empty seats in the room. There's about 12. If we're expecting a massive return of people to Christ, there should be loads of space and we don't have it. So we need to intentionally create lots of space. We're getting pretty much most weeks stories of people coming to faith. We're getting emails um, in the hello account, hello at kxc.org.uk, basically saying things like, I'm an atheist, I don't believe in God, but I really want to come out, come and check out church. Could I come on Sunday? To which the answer is? Tough crowd. Yes, the answer was yes. It was yes, see you Sunday. Now that used to happen every so often. It's happening all the time. There is such spiritual hunger in the culture that surrounds us. The people least aware of the spiritual hunger are people in the church. Like, oh no, it's really hard. The ground's hard. Well, not really, because it feels to me like spring rains have been softening the ground and lots and lots of people are exploring faith and Christianity, right? So we need to be attentive and we need to create space at the table. There's not much space. So let's talk about Sunday gatherings. We have the 10, the 12, the 3, the 5. Your favourite one? It's the three, of course it was. Um, so I want you to join me in praying because this venue doesn't work for us anymore. I love King's House. Disappointment on the front row. I, I love King's House. And when we moved into this space, we basically knew that this was going to be an unbelievable home for us 
a centre of mission in the heart of King's Cross, a centre of hospitality and healing. Um, we knew it was going to be a base for the staff team and, and an office, but we knew there'd be a shelf life on how long we could be in here as church. And we're getting to the point, and this is before the floodgates have opened and we're seeing lots and lots of people come back, where like you look around this service, like 10 empty seats, maybe a few more. Like at our 10 a.m. service, we've had services where there's only standing room at the back. You can literally not fit anyone else in. Like this is a problem. Like one of the previous archbishops said that the church is the only institution that exists for its non-members. We exist for those outside of the church, right? And there's not much room at the table if they were to come. We have to create space. So what we've said to the 10 a.m. this morning, I tried to say it gently, but it didn't go down brilliantly, is that we're asking 50 of them to move from the 10 a.m. to the 5 p.m., right? Which is a personal sacrifice, but the 10 a.m. is the fast growing, fastest growing congregation with so many families, but there's no room for any more families. So we said, look, could 50 of you embrace the sacrifice and move from the 10 a.m. to the 5 p.m.? Now, I did dangle a carrot. Let me dangle a carrot for you guys if anyone wants to move from this congregation to the 5 p.m. because there is space at the 5 p.m. over at the Ethiopian church. Something extraordinary is happening at all of our congregations. It's almost the younger it gets throughout the day, the more what the Spirit's doing seems to be intensified. We've been talking about this outpouring, the Asbury outpouring, starting for some reason with Gen Z. And the Gen Z crowd are most sort of like present at the 5 p.m. To the point where our worship times, our ministry times at the 5 p.m., we normally wrap the service up. I say a blessing at around 6.30 p.m. Um, and no one goes home. Well, that's a lie. Some go home. But probably over half the room stay and just want to worship. So we've now said we're going to expand the service for an extra hour. So we're going to end with the blessing at 6.30. 6.30 to 7.30 is just soak time. We're just going to worship and hang in the presence of God. If you want to go, feel free to go. If you want to stay, feel free to stay. And over half the room are staying and just soaking in the presence of God. Honestly, if we said we're gonna do three hours soaking, I think people would stay for three hours because the spiritual hunger is nuts. Totally nuts, right? So that younger demographic, they need parenting, right? So we've said to some in the 10 a.m. congregation, they're young and they're hungry, but they're longing for wisdom and they need spiritual mums and dads and they need older brothers and sisters. Would some of you be willing to create an extra 50 spaces at the 10 a.m.? And to this congregation, I'm gonna say the same, not quite the same numbers, but maybe could 20 of you like move from the 3 p.m. to the 5 p.m. to create space here for newcomers and to spiritually parent and steward what is happening at the 5 p.m., which is extraordinary. It's happening here, by the way. The, the worship here is electric. The sense of God's presence in this room is extraordinary. I just need some of you to move to the 5 p.m. So I'm just <laughs> emphasising what's happening at the 5 p.m. Okay, so the 12 p.m., which is our newest congregation. It's an hour service. Um, and we've tried to work really hard to create incredible accessibility for those that historically have found it harder um, to connect in with life at KXE. So of our congregations, socioeconomically, it's the most diverse. But that congregation is growing rapidly. It was a cafe church. And now there's so many that it kind of doesn't fully work as a cafe because we're struggling to fit the cafe element into it. It's growing fast. The 5 p.m. is growing fast. There's so much life. I need you to join me in praying for a miracle provision of a new building. 
Yeah, um, I've got faith for that. This building was miracle provision. So the Lord has done it before, He'll do it again. But I'm asking the church to get ready to embrace change. I know we love this place. We just can't fit everyone in. A fifth service, a sixth service would kill me, would kill the staff team. We ain't gonna do it. Um, although we might have to. But anyway, the point is, can we be praying um, for miracle provision of, of a new house? And in the meantime, we might need to move some people around just to create space because people are so hungry right now to encounter Jesus. Um, here's another new wineskin table. We've planted out six churches in the last few years. I've mentioned St. Gregory's plant um, launches publicly today. St. Basil's um, in Devon, St. Peter's Broccoli, Bow Church, East London, um, St. Saviour's Finsbury Park, um, Trinity in Nottingham have joined the family, and then KXC, that's seven churches. We had a, a a day, this is a few weeks ago, for all the staff teams of those seven churches, there's around 100 people in the room. The sense of God's presence was extraordinary. And what we're facing here, which is like new wine flowing, a season shift from winter to spring, spring rains, they're experiencing all of the same stuff. And it feels like God has called out this family of churches for such a time as this. And He's calling out other families of churches around the nation too. But we need to be attentive that this feels like a new wine skin Um, and we're going to plant more churches like with this level of growth we're going to send out more church planting teams so let's be open maybe God will be calling you to lead a church or maybe to be part of the leadership of one of these teams that gets sent out so we're in conversations right now about potential future church plants but the next one on the horizon which is going to be helping a church locally to revitalize is All Saints Caledonian Road literally two minutes walk from here so By this time next week, I'll have been um, licensed as the new vicar of All Saints. I'll be priest in charge. I'll still be um, working here, don't worry. Or some of you were thinking, oh, quite like him to move on. Anyway, I'll I'll still... Well, Steve here, B and I will still be leading KXC, but I'll be providing oversight to All Saints, Caledonia Road. Now, All Saints is a beautiful community, right? It's, it's an estate church serving the Bemerton Estate, the Barnsbury Estate, the south of the Cali Road. It's around 15 or 20 on a Sunday. A lot of those have been living in this area for most of their lives. This is an extraordinary group of people that we're going to learn from and partner with. Um, but they need support. They're at a moment of fragility in their story. So we're going to partner with them. Ted, who currently leads the church, will continue to lead the church. I'll become vicar to provide oversight, but we will help resource them as they enter a new chapter of their story. And we're looking for maybe four or five people that would be willing to say, do you know what? I would love to go and serve a community like that. If we sent 30 over, It would overwhelm them, right? But four or five people that could serve this beautiful family, that would be the most unbelievable gift. Now, if that would interest you, come and chat to me afterwards. We'd love to explore that with you. The point is, this table family of churches feels like a new wineskin and we want to be attentive to it. Final thing then, um, an example of a new wineskin emerging at a moment like this. Um, at Asbury, I was in Asbury with Al Gordon, who leads St. Church in East London. And whilst we were there, he was like, we should try and unite our churches, maybe with one or two others, and gather people to pray, because it feels like the Lord loves unity, um, and we should do something like that. So Al from St. Church, Wale from Imprint Church, myself from KXC, decided we'd get together, we'd bring our three churches together for a night of prayer to see what God wanted to do. Things were really stirring at St. They've been stirring here, they've been stirring 
uh, imprints. We're like, let's just bring these three fires together and see what happens. So we gave people like literally two or three days notice, um, very last minute. Um, and then last um, Monday, we gathered together. You can see a bit of footage from that night. Um, between four or 500 people turned up to worship God, to invite the Spirit to move. It was an extraordinary evening. A totally extraordinary evening. At the end of the evening and the next day, some of our staff team and, and our worship team were like, Pete, like we are gonna do that again, aren't we? And the guys from Saint were like saying to Al, like, please, like we are gonna do that again, aren't we? And the guys from Imprint are saying to Wally, like, we are gonna do that again, aren't we? We're gonna do it again. Um, but there was this sense of like, wow, there is such power when tribes begin to come together in unity, um, unity around Jesus and unity in prayer for an outpouring of the Spirit and something beautiful was happening. So since Monday, um, Wale, Al and myself have been chatting like, how do we steward this? Because this feels like a new wineskin might be emerging. So that happened. And then on Thursday, I got a, a text message from Emma Heddle, who's on our staff team. She used to work um, as... Um, for B&I as our EA. And she basically said, look, when you and Wale and Al got up to pray this last Monday, you can see a picture of it um, on the screen now, I was reminded of an email you got sent like five years ago. Now I get sent quite a lot of prophetic emails. I read them, I say yes in my spirit, I pray over them. And then honestly, I forget a lot of them. Um, but when you've got someone like Emma, who's got a better memory than, than I do, when she saw us pray, she's like, Ah, there was a word about this. So I want to read a prophetic vision I was given like five years ago, but maybe for such a time as this. So here's the dream. I had a dream a few nights ago that there's a group of about 15 to 20 people with Pete on top of a mountain surrounded by trees, more like a jungle setting than a forest. And at the top was a huge ancient church with great big stairs, sort of like St. Paul's Cathedral. It was vast and beautiful, cracked, but mighty. And if you've been to St. Church, you'll know what a massive building that is, very much like the description. Pete was with two other pastors, both around his age. One was a young black man in his early 30s and I can't remember the other man's look but he was also a white man in his 30s as if Al looks more like he's about 50 that's obviously a joke just just for the live stream that's a joke Al uh, Al very much looks like in his early 30s um they were all joking and enjoying their time and the group was around them hanging out. And then the three of them walked up to the stairs and kneeled down and started praying together for the church and the unity and revival of the UK. They were all coming together from different paths up the mountain, but all approaching the same stairs together. Here's the funny thing about that. I didn't know, I had totally forgotten of this vision. Um, but on Monday, what happened before the prayer meeting, there was a pre-service prayer meeting where we were in a room above the sanctuary. There's about 15 to 20 of us praying, like the description. It was fire in that room as we were praying for what the Lord wanted to do. At the end of that prayer meeting, our Wale and myself went up another staircase and just the three of us had a moment in prayer asking for the Spirit to be poured out. In other words, exactly like this description. It goes on, when I was praying about what it meant, I didn't get a a lot but felt to pass it on I do feel like this church represented heaven or the church set on a hillside and felt like the three of you were crying out for breakthroughs and shift in the churches of England but together I'm not sure if Pete you were meeting with any other church leaders to pray for this shift but I feel like there is real power that would come in uniting the right leaders to pray and ask God for a shift in what's happening at the top the Lord is placing the authority to shift what's happening at the top but he wants to do it through a uniting spirit if that makes sense that the Lord sees you and is calling you to his higher ground ground right 
for me, that's pretty remarkable. It takes quite a significant level of cynicism to say, yeah, that's just coincidence. <laughs> that is five years ago, someone saying, I see three of you kneeling down to pray together, inviting your congregations to worship and unite and pray for an outpouring of the Spirit. And, and reading it, it's like, well, that's exactly what happened. And something in my spirit, and, and I think we collectively feel this, is like, maybe this is a new wineskin. Um, so we don't know whether we're going to do this monthly as three churches, maybe other churches coming together. We've got the next one in the diary, which will be Good Friday. So the new rhythm for Easter will be Monday, Thursday, gig night, evangelistic night, Incredible opportunity to bring your friends. Good Friday, hour by the cross, and then back at Saint, um, 7 p.m. for a few hours of prayer and worship and hanging out together in unity. I want to invite you to that, right? Honestly, spring rains are falling. And I mean this as a pastor. Like when you see what the Spirit's doing, I don't want anyone to miss out. I don't want anyone to miss out. If the spring rains are falling, be in the room. Like be in the places where the Spirit is being poured out. And it it just seems that God is attracted to unity and was present in a very special way. So we're in a season shift, winter turning to spring. We see spring rains falling, new wine being poured out. How do we transition in a moment like this? Be present, like be in the room, be open hearted today. If you hear His voice, do not harden your heart, right? Be all in, come belong, serve, give. Like financially, like if you're new and encouragement, this is a great time to invest because we're entering a moment of fruitfulness where the plowman is overtaking the reaper. Thirdly, be ready. Let's hold everything lightly. Right? The way we do Sundays, the different congregations, where we meet, let's hold it all lightly. If there are old wineskins, I'd rather get rid of them. I want the new wine to fall into new wineskins so that we can steward the abundance that's upon us. I will actually close with this. Matthew 5 verse 3, this is the message translation. And I say this because a number will be feeling this and I feel this, right? If you're in a moment where you feel exhausted and that the language of fresh move of God, revival, season of abundance, fruitfulness, you're like oh my gosh, I'm exhausted. I need to go to bed for a month. Like I don't have the capacity for that. Or maybe you're like, I'm too emotionally, spiritually fragile for that. And you feel like I've got zero resource. I feel spent. I just want to say to you, that does not disqualify you, right? I love this verse. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. What if God had led leaders as well as congregations to a point of of fatigue and weakness and vulnerability so that he can say, just to let you know you were slightly in the way, but now that you're empty and you're at the end of your rope, let me show you what I can do by my power because my power is made perfect through weakness. So if you're feeling exhausted and emotionally spent thinking, I don't have the capacity for this kind of move of the Spirit, can I just say that is fine. If you're at the end of your rope, well, hang on a minute. That might mean there's more opportunity for God to break in, in power. All we need to do is say yes. You can say no, by the way, right? But if you want to say yes, you need to say your yes. Be present, right? Be all in, be ready. Be ready.